It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Green Bay Packers for SB Nation for FanRag Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. This is a crossover edition of Locked On Packers with Locked On Steelers host John Ledyard. We're going to get to that in just one second. Before we get there, I want to let you know this was recorded earlier in the week And so it isn't up to date with injuries. After the discussion, I'm going to hop on just for a quick second. We'll run down the injuries. And then it will be time for Packers-Steelers. One of the most exciting regular season games I've ever watched was the game the Packers lost in Pittsburgh. Oh, they had, yeah, there's been, you know, there haven't, like I said, there hasn't been a lot of matchups, obviously, between these two teams, but... The both, I mean, 30, these are the two games that Ben has played against the Green Bay Packers in 2009, 37-36. I think that might be the one you're referring to. Yep. And then 38-31, and then again in 2013. The Steelers won both of those regular season meetings, both obviously high-scoring, explosive shootouts, had everything. I mean, you're just exciting, exhilarating type of matchups. And then in the Super Bowl, again, you get a 31-25 score and, and just a great game. I mean, yeah, the Steelers didn't play as well as you would like, but they battled back and they were down and – it was just it was it was two of the best going at it toe to toe. And it's a bummer that this time around we yeah. don't get to see that. I even say even as a Steelers guy, you know, it does me no joy to see the fact that Aaron Rodgers isn't in this lineup because to me, if he's out there, I think the Packers vie for the one seed in the NFC. And without him, they're a team that's clinging to their playoff life right now. How what's been the biggest there's a lot of, I know there's so many. What's the biggest thing that Huntley just can't ever come close to being able to do? Well, I mean, it's one of those things where, and I've, I've, I've gone back and forth on this, but he, it's hard to tell with quarterbacks, right? And you know, this locked on NFL draft and, and you, you study these things closely when a quarterback is, is slow to react to plays. There's one of two things mm-hmm. that, that is the problem. There's, there's either they're slow to process or they're slow to make decisions. And the, the material outcome is the same, right? They're either late with the ball mm-hmm. or they don't throw the ball and they take sacks. Right. And so the, the outcome is the same. Brett Hundley is, has been late with the ball and he's taken sacks. So whether it's a processing issue, I don't know if it's a processing issue or if it's a decision-making issue. To me, it looks like a decision-making issue. He's indecisive because when he wants mm-hmm. to go somewhere, he can get from the top of his drop into a throw and make a, a good throw on time, it looks easy. 
He makes one awesome back shoulder throw on the sidelines a game. He makes he makes one great on the throw um, mm-hmm. pass a game. It is this, the throws to the center of the field where he has to make multiple reads or read multiple people where he struggles. So I don't know if it's a processing thing or if it's a decision-making thing, but either way, he can't do it to the point that John Harbaugh is telling the guys on the telecast, hey, we're excited to play Brett Hundley because basically we don't think he can read defenses. Right. It seems like when I watched him kind of this week and trying to get a feel for Green Bay and how much of a threat they'll be in certain areas, it's it seemed a lot to me like he was a guy playing scared at times. Yeah. Like, don't know whether it was the, the, the exact pressure or the pressure of the moment or just the game being too fast and too big for him. He looks overwhelmed. And obviously they've had some injuries up front. That certainly hasn't helped matters. You know, uh, having to play without Brian Belaga and then you go to the drop off of Justin McCray and Jason Spriggs and how rough those guys have been. So it's been a myriad of issues. But even in a perfect situation, I get the feeling watching Brett Hundley that the game just might be too big for him. Maybe that changes at some point in his career. Maybe he gets you know, 10, 11 starts under his belt and all of a sudden things start clicking and he settles in. But my experience, those things tend to just kind of stick with these guys. You know, if, if they if they can't play at this level consistently and consistency is everything you mentioned, he can he can make a couple wild throws here and there. But if you can't do it consistently because the moment or the pressure or whatever it might be, you know, is too big for you or too fast for you. I think it's hard to pick that up. And this is, you know, we're talking about a guy that's in his third year in the league now. And I know he hasn't played a lot, but, you know, that matters at some point. So the question becomes, Peter, how do the Packers, th- I mean, the, the five and five, you know, there's a team battling, trying to make a playoff competitive, tough NFC. How do they formulate a game plan of success around him? Have they done a poor job of that to this point? Is that on Mike McCarthy or is there just, is it just that bad with Hunley that there's no way this offense can kind of get going at this point? Well, we saw the formula against the Bears, 37 runs, 25 passes. Mm-hmm. And they ran it against a pretty good defense. I, I, I put it out on Twitter. I mean, the, the four starts and the five total games that, that he's played have all been against top 12 defenses. And I think all of them have been top 10 passing defenses. Mm-hmm. So that's been, that's been part of the problem for Brett Hundley. But when they've been successful, it has been in the run game, and that has – that has been like even against stacked boxes in New Orleans, they were playing with eight, nine guys near the line of scrimmage, 10 guys. I mean, it's really <laughs> incredible near the line of scrimmage. And Green Bay was still finding ways to create. Now, that was with Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery. Now they're down to Jamal Williams. They're down to Devontae Mays. Devontae Mays had two carries on Sunday against the Ravens and fumbled twice. So, Ouch. I mean, we saw Dak Prescott on Sunday who is a young player without his best offensive lineman and his starting running back look like garbage against a very good defense. Well, same yeah. thing happened on Sunday. Now, the problems are, are, are different, and obviously the track record is different because um, Brett Hundley ha- does not have a full season of body of work that says he's a legitimate NFL quarterback, right? Mm, There's a, right. Th- that's a big difference. Um, but what what has been... What was was so encouraging to me to see against Chicago was in the second half, he completed 10 of his 12 passes, 126 yards. He made a great adjustment throw to Devontae Adams for a touchdown. He had a couple big runs where he got to the top of his drop. He felt pressure, and he took off forward. This is an issue for him. He Mm -hmm. he bails out of the pocket rather than stepping up into the pocket. And I have a theory about this, and you know this as a coach. 
the the running quarterbacks have to be trained if you want them to be passers anyway stay in the mm-hmm. pocket don't bail right right and so i think Brett Hundley has been told keep the pass play alive keep the pass play alive his whole life mm-hmm. because he wants to be an nfl quarterback that it's not instinct for him to step up because mm-hmm. that is i'm if you step up i think in his mind i'm taking off rather than right. stepping up to make a throw. And so he did it a couple times against Baltimore, actually. He finally stepped up and took off. He didn't make any throws, but he stepped up and, and created first downs with his legs. He is an incredible athlete. And so I wrote about this for SB Nation this week. He has to be allowed to run more. I think they need to they need to go to... The, they've, they've In four starts, they've called the zone read for him twice. Hmm. Like, you just can't... Even Dak Prescott, for as amazing as he was as a rookie, they called the they. I mean, they ran zone read with him what ten times a game, and that yeah. doesn't mean he kept it ten times, right? Right. But, but they called it so that he could. And I think you asked, is it game plan versus execution? I think it's both. I think McCarthy. My my thing this week was was can't lives on won't street. I don't think they. It's <laughs> not that he can't run an NFL offense. Is that they? It's that they won't give him an NFL offense that fits his skills. They want him to run Aaron Rodgers offense and he can't do that. So my, my question for you is we've seen the, the Steelers against teams that can run the ball. They're still a good run defense overall, right? But they lost the game on the road to the bears and all the bears did was, was run the ball and throw to running backs. They lost the game (laughs) against the Jaguars. We're all, well, where all Ben did was throw to the wrong team, but right. The Jaguars did not create passing plays in that mm-hmm. game either. And so if the Packers are going to beat the Steelers, it has to be in the run game. T- to you, they played well against Tennessee. Is this run defense, do you feel confident in it if, let's say, the Packers have their guys, let's say they have Ty Montgomery at the very least healthy, is that is that to you, is that like is, is that where they need to be better? Because it seems to me that's the only way Green Bay can win is if they run the ball well and create two or three big plays in the pass game. Yeah, I think that if there's an area of Pittsburgh's defense that you honestly can attack, it's it's more in the passing game, despite the fact that there's their league rank is is third against the pass and against the run, they're eighth, which is still impressive. They're having a good year all around defensively, fourth in total yards, second in points allowed per game as well. But if you look at the details, they haven't played a lot of prolific offenses this year. I don't think their schedule's necessarily been easy, but they've kind of lucked into situations where the starting quarterback was hurt. You think back even Minnesota, Case Keenum, beginning of the year, and you know I know he's playing well now, but at that point it was his first game, and he he wasn't up to speed yet. And uh, I didn't think they that group had come close to hitting their stride. And obviously not having to pay, play Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck or you know Deshaun Watson later in the season when they play the Texans, those things will obviously make the pass defense look a little bit better because those teams without their starting quarterbacks are going to automatically try and run the football more. Um, so, yeah, Chicago was an interesting game because there were several issues in the Chicago game that have mostly been corrected since then. Uh, run fits was a big deal. Chicago runs almost exclusively outside zone, which I'm sure you're well aware of because you play them. You, you guys play them twice a year. But they, they run like so much outside zone that it's it's it becomes very difficult because if the backs have good vision and Jordan Howard has some of the best vision in the league, you can almost be right in every way and he'll make you wrong because he'll find the lane that, you know, is there's a little crease here or there. Um, so he made it very, very difficult on them. But I think more than anything, you know, there was just some over pursuing, some sloppy tackling, 
Um, and one of the bigger things was that uh, Keith Butler had them consistently in bad looks. I mean, the Bears coming out 13 personnel, 12 personnel, and the Steelers are playing two deep safeties. You know, it's stuff that doesn't make any sense at all um, for situational football and, and for what the Bears had shown all game long. I mean, the game winning touchdown, the Steelers ran too high against it was 12 or 13 personnel. And the Bears had not thrown it once on the entire drive. So there was just no, I mean, they hadn't really thrown it all the game. So there was just no reason to be in a too high look at any point in that game. Um, and they were still in it there at the end of the game. And, and it eventually bit him in the butt. So that was part of the big issue, I think. They've since corrected some of that stuff. The Jaguars game was interesting because they actually were doing well against the Jaguars defense until Fournette ripped off that 90 or 86 yard touchdown or whatever it was. That kind of bloated the averages, put them over 200 rushing yards. But I think until that carry, they had them under four yards per carry. I know Jack was going to pound away at you. So, yes, there's been two games where they gave up over 200 yards rushing. I think they did it twice last year too which isn't great but it's like these weird performances you know the Steelers will be really good against the run every other week of the season then all of a sudden they'll give up 200 yards rushing to a team and then they'll be really good and it was the same thing last year yeah. and injuries play a part in it but mostly when the Steelers aren't good against the run Peter it's because they don't tackle well and the linebackers get too aggressive in their run fits or they overshoot things or they try and backdoor things that's what happens. Shazier, great player, and he's he's come such a long way this season even. But there will be times where he misses tackles or he tries to shoot the wrong, you know, tries to backdoor a play. Sometimes he makes it happen. Sometimes he doesn't. And a big game can happen as a result because the safety play with Mike Mitchell in and out of the lineup a couple times this year has not been great at filling against the run. And teams know Artie Burns is a real weakness both in coverage and against the run. So they're kind of attacking that side of the field heavily with runs, forcing those corners to play run defense. It's been a lot better when Joe Hayden was in the lineup on that side of the field. Now Cody Sensiball's over there. He played pretty well. Mike Kelton and Nickel Corners played well against the run. But if there's a place Green Bay can have success, it's testing Artie Burns. He's the Steelers' right corner, and he plays there almost exclusively. He's almost never on the other side. Um, and so I think if there's this place the Packers could have success, it's potentially maybe running at Burns. The question for me, for you, is who gets the workload in Green Bay? I mean, I know they've had some injuries at this point at the position. Aaron Jones is down. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or yep. I know he's banged up. And now you have Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery. And what's the differences there? And who kind of gets the workload? Who needs to be the guy to step up for this Packers offense? Well, number number one is, is Aaron Jones had been a revelation. And mm -hmm. it's like... How did the rest of the league not draft this guy? <laughs> you sort of watch yeah. him going, oh my, because the the balance and the vision and the burst, you're just like, whoa. And yeah. then, you know, he goes down, he, he has an MCL injury, so he'll be out another couple weeks. But then Ty Montgomery comes back. He'd been out with broken ribs. He comes back against the Bears. He rips off a long touchdown run. And it was just sort of like, okay, you know, you may remember against Chicago last year, he went for... Um, yeah. he had a huge day. That huge. was sort of his coming out party where everyone was like, oh, I guess Ty Montgomery's a running back. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he was on his way to another big day, re-aggravated the rib injury. And mm -hmm. so we don't know at this point if he's going to, if he's going to play. We, we may know by the time, you know, um, this airs even, if he's, if he's better, um, in better shape to play. But he is he is a serious matchup problem because against the Bears, we saw it. He's a former receiver. So they'll flex him out, and most teams will guard him with a linebacker. And they'll just run simple concepts. They'll, they'll, run, they'll run slant flat, mm -hmm. and you bring Ty Montgomery in on the slant, linebacker can't run with him. Now he's got the ball with a head of seam in the middle of the field, and you've got a problem. Right. And he's a big dude. I mean, people – there was some talk, you know – 
heading into the season, could he handle the workload of the offense, <clears throat> excuse me, over the course of a season, but it's like, okay, he's six one or he's six flat two twenty five. Like he is a sturdy, mm-hmm. rocked up dude, and he can be a problem right. in your in your in your secondary. So he him being healthy would be a huge deal because Jamal Williams his best attribute is his pass protection, which is not, you know, the best thing for a running back. Right. He's not explosive in the same way that Aaron Jones or Ty Montgomery is. He can't create mm-hmm. big plays. Of the two, him and Devontae Mays, that's more in Mays's forte. He's a he's a four four three guy. Um, or maybe four five three, but at his size, he's got a better speed size ratio. And yeah. he tested um, you know, he, he had a he had a great he was one of those spark score guys. Um, jumped 40 inches, 10-9 broad jump. I mean, he's a really great athlete mm. for his size. It just seems like the game right now is is he's just not ready for it. So sure. that's that's one of the reasons why I think they need to get a little bit more creative with Brett Hundley in the run game because that that needs to be an uh, a supplement to this run game because I don't I don't think Jamal Williams is going to be a guy who can break out and have 130 yards on 18 or 20 carries. That's just not what he is and that's okay right he's the third running back like right. that's okay my the thing that that i'm interested in is the one receiver who has been successful with brett hunley in the lineup has been Devonte adams and hmm. he he did really well against against brandon carr last week in baltimore he's been the one receiver who is he's actually on pace for more yards this season um with brett hunley playing half the games than he was last year with aaron Rodgers. he has become the number one receiver for the Packers. And so you mentioned Artie Burns. I was wondering, this has been a question every game for teams that shadow. Most teams um, lately that they've played haven't shadowed. But I was sort of wondering if if there would be any sort of defensive changes for Brett Hundley or, or if you think they're going to play mostly what they've been playing over the course of this season. Yeah, the Steelers, as of at least a couple weeks ago, were playing less man coverage than any other team in the NFL, and it wasn't even close. Um, you know, they are a zone-heavy team. You will see it occasionally. I think it was about 10% as a couple weeks ago. I don't think that's increased at all based on what I've seen on tape. Um, but it's just not what they do, um, and and they have been able to have success with what they've done, and I really don't think they get away from it against Green Bay just because I think you're going to see the Steelers – Show blitz, drop eight, rush three, force Hundley to look at all those all those bodies in coverage, and you know make a throw to a window uh, and squeeze something in, um, and or make them check it down, and then the Steelers, you know, they might be the fastest defense in the NFL. This isn't the old, you know, you know, in the trenches, you know, true nose tackle and you know pound it at the line of scrimmage type of Steeler defense back in the Steel Curtain days or anything like that. This is one of the most athletic, fast, explosive defenses in the league. And they'll, you know, they'll chase down and try and run and get those tackles wide. I think you will see them stick to sides. Artie Burns, Cody Sensabaugh, especially with Joe Hayden out right now, you know, it, it becomes an issue where Artie clearly hasn't established himself as a number one corner. He's really struggled. Um, even when he hasn't been targeted, he's been in position to get beat a lot this season. Um, and early in the year, no one was targeting him, even though on tape it was clear he was, he was getting toasted uh, way too often. 
And now things have changed and teams are seeing it. And the Chiefs went after him. And we've seen a couple of teams in a row now go after him. Detroit took their shots. Um, so he he's struggled in recent weeks. He's, he's had his issues. Um, and so that will need to be rectified moving forward. The Colts hit him with one on a double move. He's really susceptible to those. And so I bet you see Devontae Adams matched up with him uh, a good bit. Uh, um, Cody Sensible is a guy who's been around the league uh, a lot and Honestly, didn't think much of, much of him, didn't think much of the signing, but he played well against his old team, the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, ha- had a nice interception. And so, you know, maybe he ends up being OK in that role. Um, you know, right now, I think if there's a weak spot, it's definitely the Steelers on the outside corners. They play a lot of cover three. I think they can be beat vertically. It's just a matter of can the throws be accurate and can the ball come out on time because the Steelers have had uh, a good amount of success as a pass rush unit um, so far this season. But uh, before we move on, I got another really tough question for you. But fantasy football fans, listen up. It's not too late to join the 500,000 people that have already downloaded draft this season. You get to play in a real live snake draft, but you're done in under five minutes and they last for just one week. You can join one right now for week 12. And the best part is playing for hard, cold, cold cash. You get this and your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code LONFL. That's right. Play a real money for game for free just by using the promo code LONFL. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering Locked On Steelers and Locked On Packers listeners a money-back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play free right now with promo code LONFL. Good week to check that out too, folks, with the Thanksgiving games uh, coming up. Again, that's searching Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play free right now with the promo code LONFL. Really cool stuff. Was checking out the website earlier. They've got some great stuff. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. Peter, we got to move to the other side of the football here a little bit for 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 me at least because do we have to? Pa- I, I know, I know, I know exactly why you're going to say that. But at the same time, I feel the same way, and I shouldn't have to feel that way because for me, it's been this is a Steelers offense that should be 
way better than it is. And it's been such a frustrating season to watch this group really struggle and really be carried by the defense at some points um, when they should be the ones doing the carrying. You know, this should be arguably the best unit in football. I mean, best running back, best wide receiver, yeah. one of the one of the best quarterbacks, a great offensive line. Juju Smith-Schuster stepped up and been the best rookie wide receiver in the league. It's not even close right now. Um, and I know there's been some injuries elsewhere, but he's been tremendous. Martavis Bryant hasn't figured things out, but you've got that big play potential and threat there. Why can't you use that? There just seems like everything is there for the Steelers offense, and the health has mostly been there. And now they finally start to put it together against Tennessee. I mean, that, that second half against Tennessee, it looked like, this is a dangerous team. Things are coming easily. They're able to make play. They're, they're dicing a team up. It hadn't really looked like that all season long. Even when they had had successful drives, there was no rhythm. There was no pace. They needed a penalty. You know, they had to overcome something huge. It just everything looked so challenging for this team. And in the red zone, I think they're still 31st in the NFL in red zone offense. How in the world you're 31st in red zone offense with all the weapons they have is mind-boggling. Um, but – that was the first time they scored 30 points all season was against Tennessee. They they are a team that they've struggled to finish drives. They've str- they've moved the ball okay. They've struggled to finish in, inside another team's, not only just their 20, but their 40. The Packers have to be able to rise up and play that great red zone defense, have to be able to probably get a takeaway or two. Is it possible? What and This group has a, a secondary with a bunch of mixed matching pieces. You hear Demarius Randall is going to come back. He's fully healthy before the year. He's going to have a great season. There's been a seesaw there. Kevin King's been banged up, but I've heard good things about him for a rookie. I've heard good things about Josh Jones. Davin House coming back to the Green, Green Bay Packers for a second stint. What do you make of the secondary? They're just inconsistent. It seems like every week it's like, oh, this guy's talented. This guy's exciting, but it doesn't seem like it's all coming together for the secondary very well. Well, this is a whole can of worms that you didn't realize you were opening. But um, <laughs> see, your your point about the red zone, the good news for the Steelers is Green Bay's 29th in red zone defense. So that shouldn't yeah. be a problem. And they've been a bottom five red zone defense the entire year. And they've been a bad third down defense. This is the weird thing about this defense is it is talented. It is more talented than a lot of defenses that end up with better numbers. And it's because they're so bad situationally. They are really bad on third down and they're really bad in the red zone. Well, what do you do when you when you are bad on third down? Well, you give up first downs. And what do you do when you're bad in the red zone? Well, you give up touchdowns. Well, how do you get touchdowns? Well, you need first downs. So it's like, okay, if you're good on first and second down, that's great. Except it doesn't matter if you can't get off the field. And so... It doesn't matter if you don't give up big plays, which Green Bay doesn't, if you can't get stops in the red zone. And so my this is the, 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 the drum that I have been beating for at least a year, but probably longer. But particularly with this team, they drafted Josh Jones, a safety to play dime linebacker, which I've loved. And he's been really good, especially in man coverage against tight ends and running backs. They drafted Kevin King, who is, especially for his size, a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. And... They're letting him, or they're they're not letting him. They're making him play some some just like poorly designed and poorly conceived zone coverage. They play a lot of weird com- combo coverages where they're trying. I mean, I remember watching the tape of the Saints game, going. They tried a uh, trap coverage against Drew Brees, and I'm like, dumb. You're not going to trick Drew Brees. <laughs> He's seen every coverage known to man, and some that probably aren't known to man. So what are you doing? You have four or five corners who run four, four, who have the athletic traits to play man coverage. Can we just play two man? Can we just do that? Because it seems like when they do Demarius Randall in particular, 
not only is he bad in zone coverage, he clearly hates playing zone coverage. <laughs> like he will, he gives bad effort. He won't tackle. But if he's playing man, he wants to, he wants to get in a guy's face. He's given up two touchdowns this year on plays where he's in perfect position. But mm-hmm. they they teach him, or he's learned uh, uh, the technique that a lot of coaches are teaching now, and that is. That sort of it's almost face guarding where it's like, right. I'm just going to I'm going to trust that I'm not going to make contact with the receiver and I'm going to get in his way and he can't make a play right. rather than turn my head and try and find the ball and potentially right. lose a step. Right. Right. And he's given up touchdowns on on two of those kinds of plays. He's actually played pretty well outside of the first two or three weeks of the season. And Devon House has played pretty well. He, he had a he had a rough week two weeks ago, but. And Kevin King, you're right. He's he's played encouraging. He had a bad game against the Saints. But they're just not in positions to make plays often enough mm-hmm. because I swear Dom Capers, his defensive schemes, make sure that the Packers always lead the league in covering no one. <laughs> they they run a lot of, of two deep. That happened with, last year. I remember the Washington game. Yes, they, they run a lot of, of two deep with man underneath. Mm-hmm. And you've got HaHa Clinton Dix and Josh Jones or Morgan Burnett or whoever playing deep, and they're not giving up deep throws, mm-hmm. but they give up everything underneath. And now all of a sudden it's first and ten from the twelve yard line, and you're like, okay, now what? Yeah, then it becomes really difficult. And, and, this and is- here's the problem for the for them this week against the Steelers: Le'Veon Bell, who maybe maybe you can explain to me why he doesn't have thirty touches every game, but <laughs> the Packers are one of the worst teams in the league by DVOA. Um, defense adjusted value over average. It's a football outsider stat in defending mm-hmm. the running back in the passing game. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram destroyed them in the Saints game. They played pretty well against Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard and the and the Lions running backs. But over the course of the season, they have been terrible defending running backs in the passing game. So if there was ever a week for Le'Veon Bell to have like one of those like eight catch, a hundred yard days as a as a receiver which he does you know like once or twice a year Mm -hmm. this is the week for that right well it's been funny because you mentioned bell in terms of his carries and things like that and his amount of touches and he's had kind of a a strange year and that it's been seesawing almost like i mentioned this some of the last podcasts actually 10 games okay so he has 281 touches in those 10 games okay so he's averaging 28 touches a game so the average is great the consistency is all over the place, though. You know, week 10 against Cleveland, he gets 10 carries, three catches. Next week he comes back, he's got 27 carries against the Vikings. Then 15 against Chicago yeah. and, and a light usage game. <laughs> then he comes back, gets 35 against Baltimore. Uh, so he's got those games. He's got two with 15 carries and one with 10 carries and another with 12 carries. And then he's got a 32, a 35, and a 35-carry game and three others where he's over 25 carries in a game. And and you add in, he already had one of those 10-catch games uh, he had against Jacksonville, only had 46 yards in that game, though. They held him in check pretty well. He's been a monster still, but in in much different way. I mean, he's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. He's yeah. never really going to be a big yards per carry average guy, only because he doesn't hit the big home run. It's not because like when his average is four yards a carry, he's consistently getting four yards a carry. He's not losing four and then getting eight or getting a big home run. You know, that's not his style. Like his his yard per he's carry average. He's never tackled never, behind the line of scrimmage. It it almost never happens. I mean, he he is very very good at that. Um, I, I think what Bell is ultimately missing that'll always throw off his yards per carry average is kind of the only thing he doesn't have is breakaway speed. You know, he is going to consistently 
get you good gains on the ground for the most part. If it's even adequately blocked, he's rarely going to get you a home run play. Other than that, though, I mean, you mentioned it. He's super dynamic with the ball in his hands as a receiver. I don't feel like we've really seen him break out into a monster game yet as a receiver this season. You know, three catches for 58 yards yeah. and obviously that amazing Sunday. stiff arm on the 42-yard game against Cincinnati. But, yes, it may be coming Sunday uh, in that game. But, yeah, he. I mean, for that 42-yarder against Cincinnati, he's by far his longest play as a receiver so far this season. The next closest one was the 18-yarder against Baltimore. Um, so it, there just hasn't been a lot of big explosive plays for Bell in the passing game. But I looked. He had 100 over 100 yards rushing and had a really nice game, the only game of his career against Green Bay. Antonio Brown did as well. Uh, these yeah, are two guys. That are, Brown is yes. gonna, Brown is going to. They don't. They just don't have a guy. Right. It's hard. I mean, no, no one. I mean, no one really I mean, no, does. Yeah, no one does. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's difficult for other teams, I think, because of that. And then when they have Juju Smith-Schuster, it's just been so good, you know. And, and Antonio Brown said, you know, you're going to get opportunities to eat off my plate. He said to Juju because the reality is that I'm. I mean, you saw every game. Antonio Brown's drawn double coverage every game. As soon as he goes stems vertically, safety over the top, slice coverage, and safety's rolling to him. And Juju's going to get a lot of one-on-ones, and he's made a lot of plays as a result. My biggest question is: Steelers are going to be without Marcus Gilbert. If there's an area of this game where i think green bay could potentially establish some dominance it's up front the steelers offensive line has not played that well as a run blocking unit this season you know there's been glimpses you know obviously it's good enough that the team's at where they're at but this hasn't been like a team that's taken over a lot of games on the ground you know there's been a couple here and there kansas city they kind of always own the chiefs on the ground but it hasn't been like a consistent thing where they've really dominated the ground game this season. Um, you know, I hearken back to the Buffalo game last year or the Titans game a couple years ago, those kind of vintage 200-yard, you know, grinded-out performances where, you know, Bell is just in the offensive line are just running over people. Hasn't been as much of that this season. And the Packers have, at least statistically and from what I've seen on tape, when, when their guys are healthy up front, they've got two, three tough guys to move in the middle there with Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and Dean Lowry. Yeah, unfortunately for Green Bay, Kenny Clark has a high ankle sprain, so he probably won't be available on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And and uh, for for those in, in your audience who probably are like, who is Kenny Clark? Um, and, oh my, he's very good. <laughs> isn't that a creative player in Madden? He has become one of the best interior defenders in, in the yes. NFC at the very least, but probably in the league. He has been outstanding this season. Um, you know, speaking of eating off off the plate, I mean, Mike Daniels draws so much attention. Kenny Clark, there have been plays, and this is serious. You can you can go back and watch. There are times when Kenny Clark takes two blockers and Mike Daniels takes two blockers. Yep, I've seen it. And ben Fennel like, posts them. I'm, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. And it is it is awesome to watch, and that creates one on ones for Nick Perry, for Clay Matthews. We don't know if he's going to play this week. He is a he is a, a groin tweak. Um, what's new? And Ahmad Brooks, Vince Beagle actually did some nice things against the Ravens. He's a rookie out of Wisconsin who's got a little he's juice gonna, in the pass rush game. He's going to be a good player. That was T.J. Watt's running mate in college. They're both both yeah. going to be players. And, the, and actually the linebackers, if you look with Jack Cicci and, and some of the other guys, Wisconsin has had some awesome, awesome linebackers yep. inside and outside. But Kyler Fackrell, who Packer fans are, will tell you is bad, he played really well <laughs> against Baltimore. Packers fans hate him. Oh, yeah. they. Re- I mean – if yeah, I, I I don't think he's great. He's also like yeah, right. he's also like twenty twenty six or yeah, something. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's not a vintage Ted Thompson pick, but I think that's if there's a, if there's gonna be a place where Green Bay can can have 
advantage is maybe the wrong word, but they're the number eight team against um, against the run by DVOA defensively, and they actually have depth this year. Quinton Dial has come in and played really well, former 49er, and Montrevious Adams, the rookie out of um, Auburn, has not had a ton of a ton of time to play, but I think he's at least a body you can plug in there. Sure. Um, to plug up the middle and Blake Martinez is a pro bowler this year. He's been all yeah. over the field for them. And part of that is because the, the interior defensive line has been so great, but the edge guys have been good too. They get sacks in bunches and, and Roethlisberger has been known to hold the ball. He doesn't shrug off guys yeah. like he used to. What green Bay has to do in this game is they have to get after Ben and they have to, they, they have to at least force him into uncomfortable positions. But like, he made a couple throws, including the touchdown throw, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, where he's got a guy in his face and he can just stare down the barrel of the gun and make a throw. Yeah, last two weeks have been much more vintage, Ben. I mean, he's made some he's made some awesome play. I mean, he was straight up exceptional against Tennessee. Um, you know, game against Indianapolis was ugly from Pittsburgh all around, but I thought Ben played pretty well for the most part and, and came down, made a play at the end to, to put him in position for the game-winning field goal. Um, you know, he was really really good in that game and i think you're seeing the glimpses of uh, of vintage ben again you know he's just kind of a, a little bit of an up and down player at this point in his career but i think when he gets hot he can still ride a streak pretty good so we'll see i don't think there's been a big physical deterioration of skill um and i think the no huddle could be ultimately what saves him because he seems to really process much much better in no huddle situations the steelers went to it a little bit against tennessee had some success um, as a result. So I, I think you're right, though. If Green Bay is going to have success in this game, the edge pass rusher's got to get home. Villanueva's had a, had a pretty rough season at left tackle. Yeah. He's given up like five, six sacks this season. So he's a guy that Nick Perry can definitely test as a, as a guy who loves the power rush. I think he can have success against uh, Alejandro Villanueva. And Chris Hubbard is been okay honestly if most teams have to go to their backup tackle pretty much almost any team in the league at this point you know th- th- it's it's bad it's ugly um but chris hubbard has been just tutored and he is just a very hard worker he's been tutored relentlessly uh by mike munchek and he's really developed into a solid player um he's not great obviously he's not who you want starting you know any backup right ta- or any backup tackle in the nfl isn't you know the ideal guy pretty much but uh, they he's played already a bunch this season because gilbert's missed so much time already with with injury so I think the Steelers are susceptible there. They can be beaten there, and the Packers can get can get some pressure and maybe force Ben into, into some errors. So if they can make the Steelers one-dimensional, force Ben to drop back, get him in some third and longs because they can't get an easy down and distance situations because they can't run the ball, I think life could be pretty difficult for Pittsburgh's offense. But Kenny Clark, that's a pretty big loss. I know we got to wrap it up because we're going long here, but prediction for the game, how do you think this one shakes out in the end? Uh, it's, it's tough because I wish I knew at this point, if Clay Matthews was definitely going to play, if sure. Montgomery was definitely going to play. I mean, those are obviously two pretty big names, um, two big time starters for them. It doesn't change the outcome. I mean, yeah. I, the Steelers are two touchdown favorites for a reason. It's more, mostly just aesthetics at this point. Right. So do they get embarrassed or do they play close? Now, Pittsburgh has a, um, they have a track record this year of playing down to their opponent. <laughs> As you know, yes. but that has yes. also mostly been a road problem. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, coming off the Thanksgiving week, some weird things have been known to happen. I think the Steelers don't have a problem um, scoring, though. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where they hang 40 on Green Bay. I just think yeah. Green Bay is going to they're going to run the ball too much and they're going to possess the ball too much. The, the game against Baltimore was actually, if you look at the stats, dead even, except for one key number, five to one, which is turnovers. 
If mm. Green Bay doesn't turn the ball over, I which, you know, that's a pretty big if against a good defense. But right. If they don't, then this can be a 10-point game. This could even be like an 8- or 9-point game. If they do, then it's a boat race and it's a 20-point game, and, and that's where we are. So my my sort of gut take is like 27-13. Yeah. No, I, I hard for me to disagree with you. I think it'll be something like 24, 13. I think you'll see, you know, Pittsburgh, I think if they can be balanced offensively, I think that's where Green Bay gets into trouble. And you mentioned the turnovers, you know, they, they had a great success against Tennessee. Uh, you're, you're turning the ball over Mario to four picks, I think. And um, that was the major reason why, I mean, the Steelers don't blow anybody out in part because yeah. they don't get a ton of turnovers typically. So that was probably an aberration. I don't think we'll see a blowout per se. I, I you never know when Pittsburgh is going to play a bad game. You just you never do. This is I've learned that over the last couple of years. Love Mike <laughs> Tomlin, but you, you just have no idea when it's coming. You know, they could play a great game when they're at when Landry Jones is in a quarterback and they're down like six starters. And then they could play the worst game ever when they're you know mostly healthy and the other team's banged up and they've got their backup. And you never know. It's I mean, you just don't know with this team. So I, I always say never spend your money betting on a Steeler game. But at the same time, they're a lot better at home. They're a lot better at night, and Ben looks like he's finally finding his rhythm here. And they've been typically a second-half-of-the-year team. They've been really successful over Mike Tomlin's tenure over the second half of season. So I do think the Steelers win, uh, but again, don't spend your money on it. This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people... It's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. The experts have spoken. Verizon has been named America's most reliable network by Rootmetrics, proving there's only one best network. Best and most reliable based on rankings from the Rootmetrics U.S. Root Score Report. Dated first half 2021. Your results may vary. I know we ran long, but there was a lot of information in there. We basically did my version of the podcast and his version of the podcast. We smashed them together and suddenly it's 40 minutes and that's sort of how this works. So I I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did. Um, Before we get out of here, I just wanted to to let you know what the latest is with injuries. Clay Matthews did not participate all week in practice. He is unlikely to go. Kenny Clark I, I told you earlier in the week that that ankle injury, not as bad as originally thought. He's listed as doubtful, despite not practicing all week, rather than just out, which suggests that he could be back even as soon as next week um, and more likely the week after in terms of being uh, his old self. But Morgan Burnett practiced all week. He's listed as questionable, but he seems a good bet to go. Ahmad Brooks practice. Nick Perry was a limited participant, but not listed on the injury report on Friday, which suggests that... He is he is good to go. So the key the key pieces for Green Bay that that needed to come back, some of them are going to come back in Morgan Burnett. We don't know what Clay Matthews is going to look like in this game uh, if he plays at all. Another piece of news that broke between when we recorded this and now 
is Juju Smith-Schuster, who we talked a lot about in the in the show. He is not going to play on Sunday. He has a, a soft tissue injury as well, and so he's been ruled out. That changes a lot about this offense because they struggled early in the season with um, with the various pieces that they tried to incorporate before incorporating Juju. Antonio Brown was still doing what he was doing. Martavis Bryant, not on the same page with his quarterback, with his team, with anyone. Eli Rogers, not the player that that he showed some flashes of earlier in his career. And so they didn't have that reliable secondary option outside of Antonio Brown. Defenses could key on him. That makes the Packers defense job a little bit easier in this game against an offense that had been that had found a rhythm, that had really gotten going. And so that should allow them, uh, them being the Packers defense, to key a little bit more on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and rushing Ben Roethlisberger because, as we discussed, he can be pressured, he can be forced into some mistakes, and that is the recipe for this team. They have to get after Ben Roethlisberger. I don't, I don't know that the injuries change a lot about how I, how I feel about the outcome of the game, though Morgan Burnett playing gives Green Bay another versatile defender to put on Le'Veon Bell when he splits out wide, to spy him when he's in the backfield and when he when he gets out on swings and screens. So that's a that's a big deal for this defense. Is it going to matter because can the offense score enough points? That's the question. So if it's a if it's a 20 to 13 type game, a 20 21 13 type game, 24 13, that seems that seems like the most obvious reasonable number, but again, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game for either team. I think Green Bay can do some things against the this, this Steelers' offense. And that's not as—I'm more confident about it than I've been, in part because Smith-Schuster's out, Morgan Burnett is back, and this offense has been wildly inconsistent over the course of the season. Of course, I still think the Packers are going to lose, but they have two winnable games after that. If they're 5-6 and six and they win the next two, they're 7-6 and six with— the potential for Aaron Rodgers to come back, that changes everything about their season. We, we don't have any more information about that other than Rodgers is rehabbing. But if we hear next week he's throwing, have some optimism that he could come back this season. Green Bay needs to win enough games to get there first. If they, if they lose this game, the season is not over. Some people on Twitter are acting like, well, 2017 is just lost. Let's focus on 2018. No, there's a lot of games left. You'll remember in 2013, the season looked over until the Lions choked the division away and no one really separated themselves. There's a lot that can still happen. The, the Vikings, who looked really good on Thanksgiving, they've got a brutal schedule the rest of the way. So a lot can happen, which means you need to stay locked on Packers. Packers.